Hey there, Blazer fans, and welcome to episode 45 of the Dragon's Den. Today, I have a very special guest, one of the most iconic nicknames in UAB sports history, a uh, member of the men's basketball team, played from 2003 to 2006, a fan favorite, Mr. Carl Squeaky Johnson. I definitely enjoyed our episode. I learned a lot about him, some stuff I definitely wouldn't have known before, and I think you guys will enjoy it too. I have some important information about some episodes coming up in the near future, so stick around at the end for that. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy. All right, Blazer fans, I've got my guest here for episode 45 of the Dragon's Den, a former UAB basketball guard for the men's basketball team, Mr. Carlisle Squeaky Johnson. Squeaky, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. I just had my baby girl. Uh, she's about... Two, two days old as we speak, so it's, it's, it's really a great feeling, a great day. Uh, great time to have me here. You know, I got a lot of emotions going right now, so I'm excited. That's fantastic, man. Congratulations. Um, I know that the Blazer faithful are definitely happy to hear from you. It's been a while. It's been about, been about almost 20 years. It's hard to believe, man. <laughs> man, listen, it's been a long while. You know, I, Got my, got my hair bald now, cut my dreads off. And um, actually, I've been back for several reunions. So, you know, I've seen a couple guys and a couple old fan faithful. So it's been good to be back a couple times here and there. Well, I'm definitely glad to have you on, man. You were, you were a childhood idol for me, pretty much. I um, grew up watching you. So I'm, I'm glad to have you on. And I'm, I can't wait to get some of these questions and hear some of your, uh, some of your behind-the-scenes stories, man. Wow, that's that's awesome, man. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate you having me. All right. Well, so you're from New Orleans. You played your senior season at Marion Abramson High School in New Orleans. Uh, you, you went on to play one season at Salt Lake Community College before coming to UAB. What was life like before UAB, and what was the journey like to get to UAB in your eyes? Uh, the journey was – it was rough. Uh, my first three years of high school, I played at John F. Kennedy which was the premier school in New Orleans, Louisiana. I think we were ranked top three in the state each my freshman, sophomore, junior year. And um, my dad passed away the summer of my junior year. So after that, I transferred to Marion Aberson High School with my AAU coach, who was more like a mentor and father figure. So that's what led my journey uh, to Salt Lake City Community College. Okay. Well, your first year at UAB, you played in all 32 games. Uh, you were <laughs> something I didn't realize even existed up until I was doing my research. You were named as the team's most outstanding defensive player, and you were the name named the team's Iron Man, uh, the Iron Man Award given to the toughest player on the team. Uh, you led the nation in assist to turnover ratio. Uh, you ranked third in Conference USA in steals per game. You had it. I mean, you had been at UAB for a year already sitting out due to transfer rules. You know, what was it like to finally get to play with the team? It was amazing. It was everything. Uh, it was it was one of those things like I was I was honestly I was jealous, you know, the first first part of it, because I felt like I belonged now. I felt like I was supposed to be on a court, you know, and when my time came, I was just 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 hungry, man. I just wanted to be do whatever it takes to get on the court. And I think Ironman was part of it. I was diving on the floor, taking charge, doing everything possible to stand out in other ways than scoring. Okay. One, uh, one game later in the season was an upset at number 17 Cincinnati at Bartow. Uh, you guys won 80 to 69. Cincinnati's head coach at the time was the legendary coach, Bob Huggins. And he had this to say after the game. And I quote, uh, to me, Squeaky Johnson was the MVP. 
He took four or five charges, made a ton of hustle plays. He didn't make a field goal, and I thought he was the best player on the floor. He got them into their game and didn't get rattled. What's it like to hear that, and what do you remember from that game? I remember the next day going to school or going to class and people coming up to me and mentioning like, man, Coach Huggins said this about you. I remember going, wow, this is amazing. I cannot believe it because in my mind, all I was thinking was just go out, play hard, just, just do all the little things. And, and to hear such a compliment from Coach Huggins was, was everything to me because I feel like they had all the best guys in the country and all the guys that you know were ranked ahead of us. And for, to get a compliment like that was, was such an amazing feeling. Okay. Well, you guys, um, you made the postseason. You got bounced, unfortunately, in the in the Conference USA tournament by DePaul, but you still made the NCAA tournament. Your first matchup was against Washington in an eight versus nine matchup. What was that game like for you, and what was it like uh, defending Nate Robinson? Honestly, man, you know, you know, being from New Orleans, like we didn't keep up with basketball like that. So I was I was more upset that I wasn't able to go home for spring break. <laughs> <laughs> and then like we got to play Washington and like we get to see this little dude like Nate like everybody was talking about how great he was and to me he was shorter than me so in my eyes I was like man I could take this dude I could take this dude so I just remember being so excited the first game first couple minutes of the game I remember stealing the ball like the, maybe the first or second possession from him and I was like man I could do this I could do this and then I just remember at the end of the game they say he had like 26 points or something like that and I was like man <laughs> Like, when did he score all these points? I remember taking a charge, just getting them rattled. But, you know, that's just how basketball lives, man. You can just be stuck in your own world and just think you're doing what you're doing. But, you know, it was a fun time. And fortunate for us, we was able to get the win. Well, the next game was the big one, uh, number one, Kentucky. You had to face Gerald Fitch and uh, – I could be butchering his name, but Kalina Azabuike, um, Azabuke. In the final minutes, you had two big plays. The first was a steal and an assist to Demario Edens to tie the game at 69, and uh, that was with 159 left. And, then, of course, you had the assist to Mo Finley on his game-winning shot. Uh, do you remember any talks in the huddle going into those last few minutes? How, did, how often was that final play drawn up? Like, what do you remember? I remember – honestly, I remember not knowing who those guys were, not having social media, not really being a big fan of – just Kentucky, like not in a disrespectful way, but it's just that like I just didn't understand the moment or the magnitude of the situation. I was just there playing. Like I said, I was wanting to be back home in New Orleans. So coming to the game, it was like no big deal. We just playing basketball. And then, you know, playing against those guys, it was just like practice because our practice was so tough. And then as the game went on, I remember, you know, I think we was uh, were we up to, I think we was down one. And then we called a play. It's called a shooter for Mo Finley. And I just knew he was going to make the shot, man. I went to – I remember dribbling left and then coming back right. He come off the other side. I remember kicking it out to him. He shot fake, took one dribble and shot it, man. It was just, like, so cool seeing it go in because it's, like – it's just, like, taking our practice to the game, something we did all the time. And, it, and to see it go in at that moment, it was – it was really cool to see. That's awesome. Well, what was the celebration like with your teammates and uh, and Coach? Man, it, I never seen Coach A so ecstatic, man. It was like, man, I told y'all we could do it. I believed it. And then to see Mario jumping up and down, he was a good friend of mine. Mo, Sid, Ball, all those guys just believing. And, and meanwhile, me, I was just sitting here wishing I was at home. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> How, what, what did we just do? And then once we got back to the, you know, to the uh, press conference, the media, I just see all the cameras and, 
just how big of a deal it was. Then I started to realize, like, man, this, this is a big deal. Yeah. Well, the following week, the season ended in the Sweet 16 to Kansas. How did you feel after your first season playing at UAB? I felt great, man. It was like a dream come true. Uh, when my dad passed away, we always talked about playing Division One basketball. And to be able to be out there and actually do it and do it on a big stage and produce, you know, it, it was just amazing. It was like a sight to see. And a moment I wish my dad could be that with me for sure. Going into your junior season, you guys lost Mo Fenley, Sidney Ball, Gabe Kennedy, uh, Tony Johnson, and Lee Cobb to graduation, but you gained uh, big contributors in Marvett McDonald and Paul Delaney III. You maybe struggled a little bit more that season, but you did have a few highlight moments when uh, DeMario hit the uh, buzzer-beaten three-pointer and uh, to beat DePaul in the Conference USA tournament, and then you got to the first round uh, of the NCAA tournament, you got a win over LSU. LSU was led by future NBA players, Glenn Big Baby Davis and Brandon Bass. What was that game like for you up in Boise? I think leading up to it, when we lost all our seniors, obviously they would come back and play basketball with us during the summertime. And I remember saying, man, Mo, Mo Finley, of course. I said, Mo, man, you can't be on my team, man, because I'm, I'm used to passing you the ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, because like, every time we would play, I'm used to passing him the ball. Like, man, I think he's really disrupting us. And he started laughing, like, Cordell, don't worry about it, man. Just, just do your thing. Don't worry about me. Just keep developing. And then he started playing on the opposite team throughout that summer. And then I gained more and more confidence without just looking for him all the time. And I think that helped us a lot, you know, like mature as being the forefront leaders of the team for us going and taking more shots because, you know, he gave me the confidence, like, man, just go ahead, do your thing, you can do it. And then, like, for us, that built us up to the LSU game. When we got there, man, we was just we was just mature and ready for the moment, you know. Uh, we had some tough games throughout the year that prepared us to be in that moment, so. I, I'm going to ask you one that's a little off script, but, you know, <laughs> I went back and I was watching some old videos of you and um, from that LSU game, man, it was like you were all over the place. You were, you were getting all over those guys. And then like, it seemed like they'd have an easy break down the court and you'd come out of nowhere and you'd like your form, like your form was just flawless, man. You were, you were, it was like, it was incredible. And one of the plays, the guy was breaking down the court and he was about to go for a layup. I think you like knocked it out of his hands and you like ended up going out of bounds and he was so frustrated. What was it kind of like to get that mental edge over your opponent and kind of what went into your form when you were going for steals? So actually we played them the year before and I remember not playing as much and Tack was just having his way doing, having a great game, just getting to the paint, doing everything he wanted. And obviously it was in New Orleans, Louisiana, all my family was there. It was like, man, Sweet, so if you would have played, if you would have gotten the game more, you would have disrupted them, you would have did this, you would have did that. And I just remember being so frustrated about it. And I just like, you know, when my time come out, I'll be ready. And then that led back to we end up playing him in the tournament. And it was like, man, everything he did, he did the exact same thing early in the season when we played him. And I just knew what he was going to do. And I was just really prepared. And, and it worked out for me. Nice. Well, your senior season, you guys saw the addition of several new contributors like uh, when Makubu and uh, Lawrence Kennard, you guys got started off on a strong 14-3 start, uh, including a revenge win over Oklahoma State at yeah. home on national television. You guys lost to him the year before. Um, you, you also set a school record for steals in a game with 12 versus South Carolina State on November 27th. What was it like – or what was the feeling like on the team that season, and, and what was it like 
for you personally trying to finish out your college career? I just wanted to go hard, man. I remember just like I got to a point where I just felt like nobody could dribble the ball on me. It's like a it's like a lost art like defense where you just go hard as you can and just your goal is just to take the ball from the opponent. And um I just remember being like so focused on that because at the time I, I wasn't as confident in my scoring ability. So I felt like if I just take the ball from him and go make a layup, I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys also had a huge victory over number three Memphis late in the year that year, 80 to 74. Uh, that was technically your, your second game where the fans stormed the court at Bartow. Uh, what do you remember about that big win over Memphis team that featured six future NBA players? I remember that. I remember that game vivid. I remember off the tip, I just was so ready, so excited because Hurricane Katrina had happened, and all my family was in town. Like like my whole neighborhood was there. And I just remember, as soon as we got the jump ball, I remember I just come across half court, maybe took one or two dribbles and just shot it. Like mm-hmm. oh, we got this. <laughs> and then I think the next possession down, I just came down, shot it again. Like man, we gonna win this game no matter what. And I just feel like I just willed us the victory because you know offense wasn't my forte, but that game I just I just was locked in and ready. That's awesome. Well, unfortunately, UAB lost in the conference USA championship game to Memphis and lost to Kentucky by five in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But you were also a nominee for the Bob Cousy Award uh, given to the nation's top point guard uh, to finish out that year. Even though your season might not have ended the way you wanted it to, how do you look back on your career at UAB? I mean, coming from a guy who had to walk on and pay his own way to get a Division One scholarship and finishing a scholarship to be a nominee for the Bob Cousy Award, which is given to one of the top point guards in the country, felt felt amazing it's like you know, you're rewarded for all your hard work and um that's one of the things I won't take for granted because I literally started from nothing and built myself up to one of the nation's top guards so I felt like it was well worth it what was it like playing for uh coach Mike Anderson I know his style of play was that he came from that um 40 minutes of hell kind of defense with Arkansas and he brought it to the fastest 40 minutes in basketball at UAB and it really seemed to work out in your favor but what was it like playing for him, um, either personally or as a player? Uh, Coach Anderson was my dad, honestly. He was my dad outside of my dad. Like, he just gave me the keys to the car and let me go. And the, the, his style of play fit me, like a junkyard dog type of atmosphere. Just go out there and take your food and get what you want. Because, as you know, I was shorter and a lot smarter than most of the players. So I just had to go out there and be tough, rough, and physical and take whatever I wanted. And that style of play made me made it a perfect fit for us. Well, it's safe to say you were a journeyman after college. You started playing out overseas in Belgium. You came back across the pond and played in Mexico. Uh, then you then went on to play for the Austin Toros, the NBA G League team for the Spurs. You went back to Mexico, came back to the Austin Toros, and then you went to the New Orleans Hornets for a little while, and then came back to the Austin Toros. Uh, then in the tail end of your career, you end up signing on to play for a team in Venezuela. One month later, you end up playing in Mongolia. Uh, and you were the first team, you were the first American basketball player to compete in Mongolia. Uh, you finished out your career playing in Mexico. I, I have a lot of questions based off these facts, man. First, what was it like playing in Belgium and then work your way into the G League? Man, Belgium was everything, everything a kid could want. But I, I will say I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't prepared or meant, mature enough to understand the moment. You know, it was, and the, in Europe, we had one game per week, two practices a day. And sometimes I took those games for, for granted. You know, I didn't, I didn't, 
I didn't take in the moment as I should have, but I finished the year strong, was able to uh, get drafted in the G League the following year based on my stats and my reputation for being, you know, a flow general, a great defender, and I was able to get drafted in the G League the following year. Well, uh, you got to play for your hometown New Orleans Hornets after so many years of working to get there. What was that like? Best feeling ever, man. It's like it's like when you look in the stands, you see your friends and people you grew up with and your aunties and uncles. It's like a feeling that you can't explain. It's like, like wow, it, it, it paid off. I remember my teammate was saying, man, wake up, man. Act like you belong here because it's like doing warm-up. I was more looking in the stands than actually warming up, so – that was one of those breathtaking moments where you're like, wow, I really made it. Like after all the time and hard work I put in, like I really made it to the NBA. But I will say, you know, I set my goals a little too short. Like my goal always to make it to the NBA, but I never said I want to go to the NBA and have a great career. I wanted to go to the NBA being all-star. I always said I want to go to the NBA. And I think once I got there, I kind of got satisfied. So that's one of the things I really do regret. What was it like playing in Mongolia? Um, my goalie was good, man. The fans treated me well. Uh, the people obviously looked up to me because I was American. They always wanted to talk and get my experience. And I was more like a player coach as well because they I was teaching them things and the players on the team. When I do drills, they would more so look at me versus actually doing the drills themselves. So I was more like a player coach, and it was kind of cool to be like put in such a role right in the tail end of my career. Uh, you then went on to coach uh, the Memphis Hustle for the G League team for the Grizzlies for two seasons as an assistant. What was it like coaching, and uh, what are you up to now? Uh, coaching was amazing, man. Like, so that's what I, I think that's my passion more than anything. I like to give back, teach people, and, like, plant a seed and see it grow. Um, coaching in a G League was, was, was my journey. It's like I see the guys taking the same route I take, took to go to the NBA, so I was – I was in my comfort zone. I was telling them things they should and should not do and, and how to be patient and how to work hard and just know that, you know, your, your dream will come at some point. And then, you know, after that, uh, what was the second question? What are you up to now? Oh, right now, right now. Man, I'm, I'm being a, a father, man. Like, I really, really enjoy being a father, as you know. Uh, as some people may know, I'm always on social media with my son, you know, for good or for bad. Sometimes I have him doing crazy things, but you know, I'm just a new kid, new father trying to learn, trying to learn how to how to be a dad. And as you know, I have a, a new daughter now, and um, that's my world. And uh, I also started a trucking company after my son. It's called Clay Tons. So okay. yeah, that's, that's me being a dad and running my trucking company. Well, you kind of answered my next question, but I was going to ask how life is over, how life is overall now. I assume you're doing really well. I'm glad. Um, how can my listeners keep up with you now? Uh, social media, man. I just post everything on social media. But it's not really me, honestly. It's more so my son, what now would be my kids. So I'm just a, just a father, man, just enjoying life. I feel like I did everything I wanted to do growing up, and now I just want to pour into those, pour into my kids and have them enjoy life and be that form every step of the way. All right. Well, Twiggy, I got a few more questions for you and then I'm gonna let you go. Um, I do have some social media questions. My first one does come from Twitter at uh, Memphis Blazer. That's Steve Rutherford on Twitter. And he did kind of, you, you kind of started talking about it a second ago, but he did say you're, he's a big fan of you and your son's Instagram page. Uh, he wanted to know how your son's defense is coming along. 
<laughs> man, listen, Clay Clay loves playing ball. Like every day he wake up, go to sleep, he want to play. You know, I, I put some in the garage, make basically a little home court for us in the garage, and he just loves playing defense, man. He loves it. So, yeah, Steve, it's coming along pretty good, man. I got to. I gotta stop letting him win because every time he feel like he's supposed to win, so I gotta beat him a couple of times here and there. I do have a couple of other comments that really weren't questions, but this just shows some love from the uh, from the Blazer faithful here. Uh, Jody Carly on uh, Twitter, she did say, "I can't think of a question at the moment, but nothing but love for Squeaky and um, uh, wow. Albert." Uh, he's at UAB Blazer Seven on Twitter. He did say, "I still have my life size poster that was given out at the game of you." Um, that three-point shot he made in the NCAA tournament game against Washington is still one of my favorites. So uh, some love there for you. And I do have another question for you for uh, from William Kennedy um, at WHKennedy23 on Twitter. He did say, uh, do you think you're still chasing Tack Miner through his nightmares? Man, funny thing, I seen Tack Miner up in Houston maybe about a year ago. And he, he seen me, he's like, pushing me like, hey, man, what's up? What you doing, man? <laughs> he brought up the game from NCAA tournament 20 years ago. So I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, wow. He still remember it. So, yep. <laughs> and Squeaky, I got one more question. It's a it's a lighthearted question, something to keep you on your toes, something a little, little off basketball related. But um, I've asked it before with one of my other guests. I kind of want to get your, get your uh, opinion, see where your head's at on this one. But okay. if you could have dinner – with three people, any any three people from any time in history, who would you want to have dinner with and why? Wow. <laughs> any three people? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's people I've met or been around or people I haven't been around? Anybody you want. It can be celebrity. It can be what? I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, it's whatever you want, man. I think I want to have dinner with Barack Obama. Okay. Uh, for sure. I want to talk, would like to talk about, you know, things that, how he set his goal so high to actually be a president of the United States. Okay. Um, two would be, who would two be? Deion Sanders. I, I love Deion Sanders. I love okay. the way he's a father. I like that. Actually, I follow him on social media, but I, I'm sure I would like to, you know, have dinner with him, just talk with him and pick his brain about how I should raise my son and kids. But, you know, that's two for sure. And three would have to be... Maybe Damon John, the entrepreneur from Shark okay. Tank. All right, man. How to take how to take take business losses and how to grow your business and things of that nature. Appreciate those answers, man. I like those. Yeah. Um, well, Squeaky, man, I, I I loved having you on as a kid. I, I don't know if you ever remember me, but I was one of the the ball <laughs> boys on the court for you guys yeah. when when I was when you were around. So, right. but man, yeah. I um I, I loved watching you play. I know the Blazer faithful love watching you play. And it's good to hear you're doing well. And uh, congratulations on the new baby again. Um, but thank you so much for being on, man. Man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate the love and definitely look forward to coming back to some games soon. Definitely. And go Blazers. Thank you. Go Blazers. All right. I want to thank Squeaky so much for being on. I uh, I definitely enjoyed having him on as a, uh, like, as I mentioned, he's a childhood idol for me. I grew up a diehard Blazer fan, as many of you know, and, what kid wouldn't love having Squeaky Johnson on their team? It, it seemed like he had a magnet in his hand sometimes with he'd come out of nowhere and find some way to steal that ball. But I uh, I loved watching him play and loved watching him after his career at UAB. And, and I hope many of you enjoyed hearing his story and got to learn a little bit more about him. So thanks again, Squeaky. I definitely enjoyed it. For my listeners, I have a bonus episode coming up this next week, so be on the lookout for that. 
And I have some very exciting guests coming up in the near future. And I'm itching to tell you guys what they are, but you'll have to wait and see. So be on the lookout for that on my social media pages. You can follow me at Dragon's Den E-F-E-L. Once again, that's at Dragon's Den E-F-E-L on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll see guest announcements, game day information, and game updates on my social media pages. So be sure to give it a follow if you haven't already. But uh, thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed. I'll see you next time. Good night and go Blazers.